placed but never lost. You know, men don't get lost, do they? There's no need to stop and ask for directions. But spiritually speaking, being saved is the most wonderful feeling in this world. When you truly recognize that you are in a saved condition in context of God, I would suggest it's the most wonderful feeling in the world. Being able to know, to know without a shadow of a doubt. And God wants us to know, doesn't he? God wants us to live with that knowledge. 1 John 5 and verse 13, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's the state in which God would have us live our lives as Christians with that knowledge. Having the Bible to guide our feet and light our path, Psalm 119, verse 105. When one hears the glorious message of the Savior, of the Savior they believe it with all their heart. They hurry to repent of their past sins. They're willing to confess their faith in Jesus as the Son of God and readily submit themselves to baptism in water for the remission of sins. He is in a saved condition. Readily submits to the, the water of baptism. Saved condition. Walk in newness of life, as Paul would suggest there to the Roman church. This soul is no longer in a lost condition, and the Lord adds him to his church, Acts 2 and 47. We know those things. We, we preach those things week to week. The Bible clearly teaches <clears throat> that one must remain faithful to God in order to prevent oneself from being lost, as we defined lost earlier, ruined, desperate, and not a state we want to be in. Revelation 2 and 10 suggests that we need to be faithful unto up to the point including death. Galatians 5 and 4 would suggest similar things and other passages in the New Testament for us to consider. Keep your fingers there if you're in James. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, and as you're turning there, I would remind you that, again, Peter was writing to Christians in the first century, late, uh, towards the second half of the first century. They were beginning to already undergo significant persecution in the world in which they live because of their Christianity. 2 Peter 2 and verse 20 beginning, he's talking about folks that he's again writing to Christians and he says for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ they are again tangled entangled in them and overcome the latter end is worse for them than the beginning verse 21 for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them but it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, I've got a sermon that's, that's kind of jokingly entitled Dogs and Hogs. I think you get the context here. The danger, the, the, the visual picture, the, you know, once we wash that hog and it goes right back to the mud, 
That's a picture we don't want to see. I won't mention the other one that he uses here. But I think you get the point. So Peter here is clear on this matter. The thrust of this lesson is not on converting souls to Christ. That is a noble thing that we, we from week to week, we preach, and that we will continue to do that. This lesson is more concerned with keeping the saved. Think of how many friends, family, former church members who were once faithful, productive members of our congregations. They haven't passed on. They're just no longer living faithfully. If we, had to, if we had been able to keep them faithful, just think how much greater our number would be today. You know, incidentally about those folks there, you know, oftentimes when we're trying to, to make new converts or teach people for the first time, there's sometimes an adversarial kind of relationship going on because we're trying to get them to change and follow the Bible and those sorts of things. But with folks who have once been faithful, oftentimes we don't face that same kind of problem that we have trying to teach someone the gospel for the first time. They believe in God. They have been there. They have known the joys of being a Christian, but yet they have fallen away. The subject here isn't new. The reason I selected this particular topic for today is because we are trying to rebound from COVID-19. We are striving to keep the saved in a world that, again, is struggling. And I think it's a noble attempt for us and a noble activity to be engaged in, and I want to remind us of certain things. And I, if you've you probably heard me say before and other people who, who stood here before, we select lessons oftentimes that we need to hear. You're just kind of an innocent bystander. But I would suggest for your thinking as we go through this lesson, if there's something that's applicable in your life, I invite you to accept that challenge and to do what it takes to, to engage yourself in those things. I recently looked through the little paper directory that faith maintains. For sake of mathematical simplicity, there's about 100 families listed there, give or take. And as I was looking through that, there's about 30 of those families who were here prior to the pandemic but haven't come back. Now, I know, as well as anybody, there's reasons for that, maybe good reasons. Maybe they're... Im the uh, immune system is suppressed and they don't feel comfortable. That's fine. Ones we need to be concerned with are those who have chosen not to return. Think about those folks. Do what you can. We're going to have more practical applications here. Again, James is a practical book, but, but I want to think about those individuals. Think about those who may not have been here prior to the pandemic. We need to try to do what we can to restore them as well. It deserves our best thinking, I think. And we know that the best thinking comes from the Word of God. Point number one in our lesson, are we our brother's keeper? You know, most will recognize this as a question that Cain asked to God when he was in, in, engaged in that conversation. 
God asking Cain where his brother Abel was. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Genesis 4, verse number 9. The first lie for Cain was, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Just as he was responsible for his answer and his brother, so we are today. There are several reasons why we are to restore a brother who has returned to a lost condition. One is that he's our brother, a family member. You know, oftentimes we are blessed with our church family and we are closer to those folks than we are with our physical families. We need to think about our spiritual families as families. He is our brother. He's in, dangerous, in a dangerous situation of being lost eternally. The gospel message compels us to lift him back into a saved condition. A strong reason is that Paul gives the Lord's command. Again, keep your fingers there in James and, and think about Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Paul, again, the inspired writer, writing to Christians, says, Brethren, if a man be is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If you do an exegesis of that word burden there in chapter, in chapter uh, 6 of Galatians, verse 2, you'll find that it's a burden that one person cannot carry. It's so heavy, it's so significant in one's life that it needs help. He goes on and further in that particular passage and talks about other burdens, but they are lighter burdens. They're burdens that one person can easily carry. But when it comes to a spiritual nature, oftentimes we need help from one another. We are believers in the golden rule, Matthew 7, 12. And would, wouldn't we want someone to do the same for us? Should we be lost? I think the answer is clear. Another reason why we want to consider ourselves as brother, our brother's keepers. Notice we are to go to this one in the spirit of meekness and gentleness. We're not to go with a holier-than-thou attitude or because we are better than anyone else. The burdens one may, can be bearing may be, can be of weakness, temptation, or sorrow. You know, Paul would instruct the Roman Christians in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, that we are to rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, this world has, a, has the ability to, to wear on us, doesn't it? We oftentimes have things that occur in our lives or with our physical families that test our faith. You know, the Lord knew that and provides instruction and support through his body, the church. Intuitively, the scripture here, particularly we talk about weep with those who weep, the scripture assumes we have a relationship with this person. You heard me say before, Christianity is a relationship religion. I firmly believe that. Hope you recognize that as well. So, as we consider, our, our, are we our brother's keeper? Let's think about those things. Point number two, James gives encouragement. 
We should have a special concern for all the lost, both in and out of the Lord's church. I hope we recognize that. We spend a lot of our time reaching the lost of this world, those who are not in a relationship with Christ already, those who have not maybe heard the gospel. But I would submit for our thinking, we need to, as we are bringing people in the front door, we need to also consider the back door. And I'm afraid oftentimes we see more people going out the, front, out the back door than we're bringing in the front door. And you know that it's not about numbers. It's about souls. And it's something for us to consider. I hope in your daily prayers you pray for the lost of this world. Those who are outside of Christ and those who are maybe at one point in time had been inside Christ. We need to especially have concern for our brothers and sisters in our spiritual family. We need to show concern and interest in them. Let's look at James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Again, writing to Christians, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Let's notice several important teachings here given by James. Again, he is speaking concerning brethren or Christians. Though some teach today in error that a Christian cannot fall from grace, this is because of the Calvinistic doctrine of once saved, always saved. We've talked about that before. James states that these brethren in Christ are sinners because of the state that they're in. We know as Christians, when we become Christians, we don't stop sinning. As an old preacher once said, we get out of the sinning business. We don't make it a way of life. But oftentimes we fall short, don't we? We all recognize that. We can't live perfect, sinless lives. It's the blood of Christ as we continue to walk in the light that cleanses us from those things. But James states that these brethren in Christ are sinners. These need conversion or change. You recall a time in, in an interchange between Peter and Christ. This is recorded in Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. We won't take the time to turn to it, but Peter thought he was stronger than he actually was. Christ told him that he was going to betray him. He, was, he would give him over, those sorts of things. Peter obviously said no. But Christ gives us the indication that he tells Peter that when you return to me, the idea there is that Peter was going to fall away for a time. But the Lord anticipated and knew, because God knows the ends from the beginning, that Peter would come back. He would be restored. He would repent. And he would be a beneficiary of those things. As we consider this lesson this morning, are, we are our brother's keeper. We are responsible, where possible, to help lift one out of the sins in which they have fallen and restore them to faithfulness. Oftentimes we think, well, it's their, it's their deal. It's up to them. And in many cases, 
there's part of that. We all have individual responsibility to live according to God's word, don't we? But isn't it so much easier when you have someone there alongside you to support you through those things? Recognizing that others have been through the same problems likely that you are going through? Again, a relationship with the Lord's people. We have a relationship with them. We, are, we have an obligation to help restore them to faithfulness. Someone has said, be the bridge that brings them back. Do what you can. That takes on all kinds of different forms, doesn't it? We must remember that God wants all to be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He is long-suffering to us that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. Again, we've talked about that concept of repentance. It means to change or to turn, to make the necessary, take the necessary action in your life. As we consider again this lesson this morning, we want to consider the question, what can we do to keep the saved? Well, I would submit for your thinking, I, I don't have an exhaustive list here. Maybe you want to add some things to, to, to your list, but here's what I've come up with. It's kind of a quick list. We can pray for them. James would say the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. And I would submit for your thinking that it still avails much. We can study with them. Maybe there's something that, that, that they just cannot get through in Scripture. Maybe they just cannot clear in their minds that that's what the scripture teaches and that's what we are to do we can befriend them we can exhort them the idea here is cheer them on to greatness you know what the devil is cheering them on to stay in the situation they're in to blame maybe other people for their situation maybe to say the church is full of hypocrites Maybe the devil will be successful. Maybe they'll be restored. But I guarantee you that until someone exhorts them, befriends them, prays for them, maybe studies with them, chances are not good. We need to help them see their real condition, separated eternally from God. That's a hard thing, isn't it? We have to go with, to them in love. We can't go to them with a holier-than-now attitude as we made mention of already. May God bless us in our efforts to keep the saved. You know, as we have talked about already, this is, a, this is something that's worthy of our consideration, is it not? And again, it's not to be judgmental. It's not to be mean. It's out of love and compassion that we say these things and bring to our attention the need for us to be take an active role in keeping the saved. You know, there's an obligation there when we sign up for that is that we need to keep ourselves in the right condition. I recognize that most people here this morning are New Testament Christians. And you're faithful and you're working every day to maintain that faithfulness and continue to live your life as God would have you to live. Thank you for that. Keep on keeping on. But stop for a moment 
and consider those who are not here? Is there something we can do to help them? And I would say if you are not here and you are listening to this or watching this passage or this message, if there's something that maybe you've been, you feel like you've been wronged or if you have, uh, someone has made you mad or something has upset you here at Saudi, come and let's talk about it. Come and let us, give us an opportunity to make it right because it's our souls at stake. Thank you for your consideration of this message this morning. If you're here not a New Testament Christian, the gospel compels us to tell you that you're outside of Christ. We do that with love. There's no pleasure in that at all. But you must do the things that the Bible prescribes for you to be added to the Lord's church. Could be that you're here as a, a Christian, but you've, you're struggling with sin in your life. If it's public in nature, please take this opportunity to make it right. If it's a private thing, handle it privately with the Lord. But I would urge you to make it right today. The song has been announced that we will sing here just in a second to encourage anyone. Hark, the gentle voice of, of Jesus is calling. He calls us by his gospel through the word of God. Today, if you're subject to the gospel invitation, would you make it known as we stand and as we sing? Hark the gentle voice of Jesus falling tenderly upon your ear. Sweet his kind love and pity falling an endless unstay and near. If a labor and a heavy laden lean upon your dear Lord's breast, and labor and a heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Take his yoke for he is meek and holy, and his burden to him turn. He who calleth is the master holy, he will take if you Upon your dear Lord's breath, ye that labor and a heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Then his loving and her voice obeying, and in him his burden take. He will yoke his hand, his own, you lay.